welcome to Glad Tidings, the athletic podcast all about Everton Football Club. On this week's episode, Paddy and I will discuss pay cuts, confirmation that the Merseyside derby will be played at Goodison, as well as some of the younger prospects we might see enter the fray when the Premier League resumes. I'm Greg O'Keefe and I am joined by my colleague Paddy Boyland and we are going to get stuck into pay cuts. Um, actually, before we get stuck into that, Pad, I must inquire how you are. I haven't heard from much this morning. We've, yeah. we've only been on the phone every five minutes. Yeah, we, we have, haven't we? <laughs> Maybe this is purely for the for the listeners' benefit, and I'm, I'm absolutely fine. I'm absolutely fine, as you as you well know yourself, Greg. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Pay cut announcements. Then it was you know quite a significant gesture uh, when it was announced earlier in this week, and we're obviously recording Thursday tea time. Talk of up to 50% for some, uh, not many members of the squad, but generally uh, deferrals and um, that wonderful gesture from the club to, well, from the fans first and foremost, to donate £400,000 in uh, refunds from season tickets. And then from the owners, Fahad Mashiri and Bill Kenwright to to match it. Um, typical Everton in, in so many ways, wasn't it, Pat? Yeah, and I think if we pick up with the, um, the donation from Farhad Mashiri and Bill Kenwright. I think if if there's absolutely one thing that the football club gets right, it's, it's how it conducts itself off the field. And again, that's been evidenced here with, first of all, the fans deciding to, to donate large chunks of their um, season ticket rebates to charity, and yeah. then that being matched by Bill and Farhad. Um, so kind of kudos to everybody involved there. It's, it's a magnificent gesture. Paints Everton in a wonderful light. The other gesture that paints Everton a wonderful light, obviously, is the um, deferrals, which uh, obviously help the club with everyday running yeah. um, costs and everything else. As we wrote on a in, in a piece on the site um, this week, it was also explained to the players I mean, just how the, those rebates would be spent. So kind of predominantly with the Blue Family Initiative that all our listeners will know about, no doubt, mm-hmm. the community initiative making sure that no full or part-time staff contracted to the to the club would be furloughed or made redundant as a result of any downturn um, due to the kind of the, the coronavirus pandemic. So Everton's players have bought into this and, and you, you say there it's only a small number of, of, of kind of people that have chosen to take 50% um, deferrals for, for the next three months. But it is still, I mean, some, some people have decided half of their wages are, are, are going to go, going to be um, kind of <laughs> going to be taken away from them for, for, for a couple of months. They will, of course, get them back. And other people have chosen um, to take smaller deferrals. But this was optional. I think that's the thing that you have to stress here. This was optional. No, nobody was being yeah. forced from our understanding to, um, to defer any money. And uh, the players were asked to fill out a survey, a private and confidential survey, effectively saying how much they were prepared to um, to kind of defer. So, the, it it's good it's good to see that the players have have kind of bought into the spirit of solidarity here. It's good to hear that they've been kind of suitably enamoured with what's taken place with the Blue Family Initiative to to want to to do their bit as well in a financial sense. Obviously, this helps all aspects of Everton Football Club now moving forward. I think it's something that kind of, at a time when 
we look at other parts of the, the the kind of the the club and potentially the fact that there are some injuries and and a bit of uncertainty over Carlo Ancelotti's lineup heading into the to the um to the season restart. I think this is a this is a way of of there being some kind of feel good factor with regards mm-hmm. to to other aspects of the club. And as as we start off by saying, this is the stuff that Everton Football Club gets right time and time again. So while it's good and we need to make kind of a big deal of it it's also stuff that you almost expect now uh ever since to do um mm-hmm. given given how kind of successful they've been at similar stuff in the past yeah that's a good point it almost becomes um <laughs> expected but they do seem to get these things so right so often don't they and and this is is a lovely way of doing it i think stan collymore actually um tweet, tweeted got it pretty <laughs> much on the button really he was talking about you know the the different things that the club, in his eyes, as a relative uh, neutral, really, or maybe even more than a neutral, given that he's uh, played for the other lot. You know, yeah. just talking about the unity, um, the togetherness, and um, you know, just what he sees as as making everything special. And that unity in this is, in fairness, reflected right across the board now, isn't it? Don't forget, if you're not already a subscriber, you can actually sign up right now and you can take advantage of um, a 30-day free trial by going to theathletic.com forward slash Everton pod and you can enjoy the best football writing anywhere just as the game returns. You can read our detailed piece on the deferrals and the donation from the Everton fans and board and really the story of how the players came to their decision with some uh, fascinating detail and just what that involved contractually and uh, what they were signing up to and how it was agreed, basically. Um, so, yeah, check that out on the site. Now, from one thing Everton do extremely well to one thing that they, um, <clears throat> well, <laughs> let's say don't, um, Merseyside Derby. Good news, Pat, is that it's going to be at Goodison. That's just a no-brainer, really, isn't it? You know, that's what we yeah. felt, more or less, had to happen. Yeah. I mean, it, it's something that we spoke about on the last podcast, if, if memory serves correctly. And I think the point I made at, at the time was that Everton, there were other issues going on. And of course, that's the huge caveat. Um, Everton should only play Liverpool at Goodison if it's deemed safe to do so. Yeah. But if, if that kind of criteria was met, then obviously it was a no-brainer to have this at Goodison. Um, you were facing up to the prospect potentially of of Everton, as we reported on the Athletic, Everton v Liverpool taking place somewhere like Southampton or Leicester, and that being Everton's nominally Everton's home game uh, after they'd gone to Anfield um, yeah. in a game that we I think we'd all rather forget, <laughs> rather forget in a hurry. So I won't yeah. bring up many details of that. Of course, Everton played Liverpool in the FA Cup at Anfield as well. So for Everton to have gone through this season, having played Liverpool, say, at Anfield, mm. and for the home game to be uh, at the King Power or St Mary's, I think would have done the club a bit of a disservice there, if I'm, if I'm put, put, putting it mild, mildly. It's a bit of an understatement, a bit of a disservice. Um so it's good to see that the decision has been reached and uh, certainly locally from the safety advisory board that, that met on Wednesday um, involving people from the council um, to Merseyside Police and the two clubs, they all agreed this was the best way forward. Um, hopefully um, people adhere to those, um, to, to the suggestions that the fans shouldn't congregate, um, but everybody's kind of everyone's pretty confident that they can keep that in check so so that's good news i guess that takes on to the next issue which is 
Everton at Goodison without a crowd, so it's yeah. home advantage to an extent, but certainly not the, the kind of home advantage that pushes you. We know that Everton are better when Goodison is kind of roaring mm. in their favour, um, kind of getting the getting the players motivated and, and pushing them on um, to bigger and better things. Uh, equally, it's a bad place to play football if, if, if things are going not so well, but yeah. for a Merseyside derby, you would have expected a fantastic atmosphere. It would have been hostile to Liverpool. These are things given, let's be honest, the... Um, the disparity in quality, technically between the two sides at the moment, these are the things that kind of narrow the gap. Almost, they, they are almost a bit of a bridge and give Everton that opportunity. Last season there was a draw um, that obviously hampered Liverpool's chances of winning the league. Yeah, this year um, that's not going to be the case. We're not going to have the fans kind of roaring, roaring the team on. So maybe Everton gets some advantage here that they're playing on their own pitch, that they can use their own dressing rooms. There's a feeling of normality, perhaps, that gives them a slight advantage, but it's certainly not the kind of home advantage that they would have been used to. And I think that's an intriguing prospect. It's also obviously an intriguing prospect to see a game at Goodison without those fans anyway. Um, it's something that we've spoken about, obviously, privately ourselves, and uh, we've we've discussed how it will feel maybe similar to an under-23s game in some ways. We've both been at Goodison for those games. And it's almost kind of quite eerie. You can hear every every sound of, of football boot on ball. Uh, you can hear the connection. Yeah. If it's a good connection, you know that right away. You can hear when and someone heads a ball. You, you can hear somebody heading the ball, like you say. Um, and that's from the press box in the main stand. You can definitely, in an under-23s game, hear David Unsworth if he's not happy with something. Um, (laughs) So let's just say that it's going to be the same with, you would imagine, with Duncan Ferguson as well. These had interesting um, Mm. kind of subplots to the game journalistically, I think. Um, Not that they help Everton massively in terms of the result. Uh, All we can say, I guess, is that you would hope that the right decision's been made here. Certainly the decision I wanted to see all parties come to and I wasn't massively surprised I think there was a bit of a groundswell after the the initial um, national directive um, and indications nationally that some of these games were considered high risk and would be need would, would potentially need to be played at um, neutral venues locally I think kind of everybody rallied together um, that's a that's a typically Merseyside quality and that people come together, authorities and, and fan groups and things like that. The Blue Union represented a, the Everton fan perspective in talks. Spirit of Shankly represented the Liverpool perspective, and they were very much on the same page, we're led to believe. So it, it, it's good to see that aspect. It's good to see that I think the right decision has been made here. Now it's just a small matter of, of Everton playing Liverpool and trying to get a result in a Merseyside derby. And not yeah. only doing that, but doing that with what you would imagine to be a spate of injuries. So, um, I mean, no change there then. <laughs> we won't no. have fans, but one thing doesn't change. Everton going to the Merseyside derby without some key players. Yeah, well, I was going to come on to that. I mean, you say spate of injuries. It certainly does feel like that, doesn't it? They've been dropping like flies um, this week so far. I think... You know, there's a natural. I say natural. None of this feels natural, really, because it's it's so weird and unprecedented. And you know, there's no there's no way you can go. Well, the last time this happened, there was 
this trend towards players being injured in training. But what we are seeing, which is probably to an extent understandable, is we're picking up injuries as training returns to a degree of normality. Intensity comes up. Maybe, you know, lads who've been at home following the programmes that they've been sent, you would hope. Uh, nevertheless, you just can't replicate proper football, can you? You can't replicate, you know, sort of small-sided, quick, intense games, the ball whizzing about and people having to actually go in for challenges. And so far, let's have a look. We we look like we're going to be without Fabian, well, possibly without Fabian Delph. We're keeping our fingers crossed Andre Gomez can play. Uh, the, the indications are his knock that has made him miss training so far hasn't been too serious, so he's mm. got a chance. As we discussed last week, we're definitely not going to see Jean-Philippe Cabamin for a good few derby, few derbies to come. And, uh, of course, now Theo Walcott as well um, is out probably for the rest of the, the season, although you know, may, maybe we won't see him towards the end. And we can ill afford any more is one point. Yeah. But already it begins to eat away options, doesn't it, for Carlo Ancelotti? Yeah, and I did, um, with the help of our um, graphics and and stats guy Tom Werville who I'm sure many listeners will have read on the site I I put together a piece that went on the site on Monday about um, Everton squad depth and the youngsters that might get a chance obviously there's a new rule over substitutions at the moment which which means now clubs can field nine substitutes they can put five of them on the pitch so that's more than the usual three in that regard and this is a moment in time when the full extent of your squad and the depth of your squad comes into play. Now, I suppose it will have to with Everton because of these injuries, but there is some irony in, in these new rules coming into play at a time when Everton are actually arguably more strapped than ever before for players. Um, so um, you, you mentioned there that there are question marks, let's just say, over, over Delph and Gomez. Some others are definitely going to be out, Schneidlin, uh, and Jean-Philippe Gabamin. And when I did that in the piece with, with Tom Wervel, I, I, we got a squad depth chart of all the players that were available for Everton at that moment in time. Yeah. And all, already when the comments came back, um, people were saying, readers were saying, we really struggle here in the centre of midfield. I'm looking at the options at centre-back, Right through the spine of the team, centre back, central midfield, even the right wing as well, which is which is maybe not the the spine of the side, but there was only Theo Walcott there, and now I mean it almost it's almost become a running joke. It's like let's cross the players off the list, yeah. and Walcott's gone. So in theory, Everton don't have another natural right winger for that position. They might have to come up with an accommodation, whether that's Jabril Sadibi moving forward as he has done at times, a new formation <laughs> that allows. No, a new formation that allows for wing backs instead of um, full backs and wingers. Mm. Um, that I guess that's possible. Um, maybe it means somebody like Bernard or Alex Awobi plays over there. Yeah. Maybe it means um, somebody like Anthony Gordon plays. Um, and that's the exciting of, option, right? On one of the sides, that that's more exciting than than Jabril Sadibi playing out of position there. So, certainly, in my opinion. But to go back to the squad depth, they were already strapped when the Gabamin news was announced. Um, and there were only three fit centre-backs. One of them, can you believe, being 17-year-old Jared Branthwaite, mm. who signed from from Carlisle in January. Yerry Mean is nursing an issue in his quad. The earliest he's likely to be back in training at the end of the month, according to what we were, what we've been led to believe. 
Oh, um, I completely forgot about him. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, I, mean, I missed, it's a long, missed him off the list. It's a long it's list. Long. And I, I have also missed some names myself, and that's because it's a long list. Um, so I don't think anyone could blame you there. But, uh, the, yeah, there are, there are a number of issues now. You, you, you worry about the depth at centre-back, particularly if they do have to throw Branthwaite yeah. in. And that's not that's not an uh, an indictment of um, of Branthwaite. He's, he's no, a very highly rated young player and looks has, has looked really good whenever I've seen him play. Um, but he is seventeen and he did only join the club in January. Um, do you want him making his debut against Mohamed Salah, Roberto Firmino, and um, Sadio Mane? I, I don't necessarily think so. Um, if it can be helped uh, in central midfield, Delph and Gomez, you've got question marks over. Uh, Gabamin's injured. That leaves Tom Davis and a couple of youngsters in Benny Beningme, Dennis Adeniran from the under-23s. I suppose you could say that Gilfie Sigurdsson could play there as well, if, if you wanted that option. Yeah, um, could do, couldn't if, if he's fit and available, then, then maybe he's an option there too. But our options are thin on the ground, let's, let's be clear there. We've already spoken about Theo Walcott on the right wing. Um, so there is some serious, there is some serious question marks, if we put it that way, heading into... Um, heading into that derby game let's not be too fatalistic um because there's still a matter of the game to be played and and some of these players might be fit um but as it stands yeah i, I think that is a worry i don't think there's any way of of, of not being disingenuous but also not sugarcoating this either mm. no well, yeah absolutely i mean we we've mentioned uh there anyway a couple of them jared branthwaite and um and anthony gordon who most most fans i'm sure are, are aware of um, you, you wrote an interesting piece on the site as well about the young lads who could be in the frame to to play more senior games between now and the end of the season uh, with the sort of the increased allocation for subs, which is obviously part of the operation restart and, you know, probably feeds into the whole mix around players coming in and getting injured and, and, and the sort of inevitability to an extent of that. So there are a couple of names we haven't spoken about yet. Um and, and really much-needed midfield options. Can you talk yeah. us through them? Yeah, so obviously we've, we've mentioned Jared Branthwaite and we've mentioned Anthony Gordon. Um, anybody that reads the, the site or listens to our podcast will have heard those names before, I assume. The two options that Greg's referring to are Benny Beningme, another name familiar to Evertonians, and Dennis Adeniran. They're two options. They've both been training with the squad um, since, well, basically since the players were allowed to go back to Finch Farm. Um, and do kind of rehabilitate, well, rehabilitation work, fitness work, if we call it that, um, and uh, various forms of, of training with the ball ball work. Beningme, I think he's had a difficult few years. I, I wrote a separate piece on him on the on the site too. He's had a difficult couple of years with, with injuries. He went on loan to Wigan uh, last season, and it didn't really work out for a number of different reasons. One of them was injuries. He was, he was carrying an ankle injury throughout his time there um, and just didn't really fit in, to be honest. Um, but he is still a talented player. He is still kind of rebuilding his confidence as it's been framed to us and by David Unsworth on, on a number of occasions. So he's he's one option. A defensive midfielder, most people know. Yeah. Good out of possession, wins the ball, good engine on him, um, mm. gets around the pitch, makes tackles, He's pretty safe in possession. He's a he's a short passer. I don't think we're really going to see him looking up and pinging a long diagonal in the way that maybe Andre Gomez does or even Tom Davis does. 
Um, so um, it would be an option in front of the back four if Everton needed one. Um, initially, our indications were that he was he was probably more likely to go out on loan this summer in a bid to kind of really kickstart his um, professional, his men's football career again. Uh, he's been playing in the under-23s this season, predominantly with David Unsworth, nursing his way back to full health, fitness, confidence, all those things. Um, and there has been interest in him from, from abroad. He nearly moved to, to FC Copenhagen last year. Um, clubs in Belgium and Holland are monitoring him. He might still go there. He might still go there. That, that, that in theory, was the loose plan for him. But um, obviously there are a few uncertainties at the moment. Um, and in the short term, with the lack of depth in midfield, you would certainly expect at least one of Benny and Dennis Adenirin to be on the bench. Um, for the first few Premier League games, uh, Dennis Adenirin, I think, is another interesting guy that people will have seen less. Um, again, playing his football with the under-23s. Mainly, he was, he was bought as a box-to-box midfielder from Fulham. Um, and mainly this season playing from the right of quite a narrow midfield and, and running in the channels at defenders. He's, he's, um, he drives well with the ball. He's mobile, athletic, very athletic. Good good technique, good basic technique, um, or, or does the basics well, if you want to phrase it that way. I started to add goals to his game, and, and Unsworth, as I mentioned in the piece, has, has been keen to work on the defensive aspect to play with him, when to yeah. press, when to stay, his all-round game from that point of view. And he's another one, obviously, that's trained. I think at the start of the season, they identified Dennis Adenirin, Lewis Gibson, and Anthony Gordon as the three main ones to train with the first team. That was obviously before Branthwaite came in, and, and there were a few others that were going to flit in and out. So Dennis has had a lot of time now playing with the with the first team. Obviously hasn't quite made the step up, although he was on the bench for a few games, I think, um, towards the turn of the year when, when Ferguson was in charge, mainly due to injuries. But there could be opportunities here, and I'm, I'm not just talking about central midfield because of the lack of depth. I'm talking about centre-back, given what we know about Yerry Mina's injury. Um, there's, there's a shortage there. There's only two fit senior options in, in Holgate and, and and Keane. We've said no real specialist options on the right of midfield, so maybe that opens the door for Anthony Gordon or Dennis can play there. And like we said, you, you've got nine substitutes now to, to play around with, and you've got five that can be put onto the pitch. So very much view this as, as not a game of 11s, but a game of 16s, and potentially even if, if math serves 20s. Um, and I had to double check there in my head as I was doing it because <laughs> maths is not a strong point. But but yes, you, you take the point. Um, it, it's going to blend this, up a union, isn't it? <laughs> well, it, well, it could it could do it could do. Obviously, not coming on and off and on and off as as you can do in in rugby union. But this is where we see squad depth kind of um, really start to pay dividends. It's a shame that Everton aren't there yet; that they've got injuries. Mm. But what it could do by default is push a few guys forward um, that maybe wouldn't have got an, a chance in ordinary circumstances. Branthwaite, Beningmi, Adeniran. I think Anthony Gordon has always been there or thereabouts this season. But these guys might get a chance. And we've seen with we've seen with Mason Holgate in particular. I think Mason started the season as third, fourth choice, and maybe if Everton had got a fourth option as they wanted, he might not have played as many games by now. And, and really kind of progressed in his development. 
one of the benefits of Everton not signing a, another option was that Mason has obviously pushed on. Um, and maybe that's what's going to happen here. Maybe we might see the emergence of an Anthony Gordon or a, a Jared Branthwaite or one of the cent- central midfield lads. Um, and that might be um, a, a positive from from an otherwise difficult period. But yeah, it's, going back to the original point, it's, it feels like anything that can go wrong, any bad luck that can come into play has done over this, this period. And you've said there yourself, you're already having to contend with from a fitness point of view, making the leap from training maybe in your garage, um, running on a treadmill and doing everything the club puts in front of you to real high-intensity stuff with other top-level Premier League performers. So I think that's why we're seeing some injuries as well. Yeah, yeah, I think... And and hopefully the medical team can sort of nip it in the bud as much as they can and we can get... um, <laughs> we can field a, yep. a squad for the derby. Absolutely, just say that can that can compete. Um, so plenty, plenty on the horizon, really, and it's only going to get more exciting as we go into next week. And um, we really are staring ahead at Everton being back in action. Keep with us next week. There'll be plenty of pieces about the uh, forthcoming derby and everything else in the Everton sort of uh, sphere. Uh, that's about all we've got time for. My thanks to Paddy as ever, and all of you for listening. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast for free so that you never miss a show. And uh, if you're feeling particularly generous, even give us a review, a thumbs up, a like, um, a bit of abuse, whatever you, whatever you fancy. <laughs> Not, we'll no see. abuse. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no abuse. We'll see you next time. Thanks very much for listening. Mm-hmm.